The Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. That's me. Thanks for tuning in. It's 10 minutes after 9 o'clock, and just so great to be here. It's going to be hot. Yeah, surprise, surprise. It's going to be hot today. What are the odds, right? Uh, it's August. It's St. George. Just get used to it. It's okay. Just stay wet. Stay inside if you if you have to. If you have to go outside, just hydrate. Uh, it is uh, 18th day of August. It is the fourth day of school, and with the school in and really going at it full bore, I thought it was apropos to have a couple of guys on who are semi-regular guests. Terry Hutchinson, who is on the Washington County School Board, and Steve Dunham, who is the Communications Director for the Washington County School District. Guys, thanks for coming on today. Sure. Glad to be here. Yeah, good to be here, Andy. You guys had a meeting last night, I'm told, uh, Terry. uh, Maybe maybe we can start with that. Yeah, we did. Talk about about your meeting. We had to have an emergency meeting. Um, You know, Things were going swimmingly, and Steve is here to speak a little more to that. First couple of days, uh, you know, all of the months of work and effort and stuff have paid off, and uh, our, our opening went very smoothly. In fact, a lot more smoothly than we expected. And then uh, Friday night during the football games, uh, the governor kind of tweaked his mandate, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, some of the things that parents and teachers were doing particularly with regard to face shields in the schools, uh, was no longer going to work. And so uh, on, I believe it was Sunday, we, we, you know, had some communications with various state entities uh, over the weekend, and then uh, we issued a statement, and a lot of people, I think, got a little bit of the wrong impression from the statement. The main purpose of that statement was to just say, hey, people, we just got this, we're looking at it, we Board, the board's going to have to meet, and, and we're going to have to figure this out. And people were just saying, finally, they're standing up to it. They're going to say enough is enough. And uh, so we had our meeting last night, and we discussed a lot of things, including that. And uh, we're going to be following that up. Uh, I think Steve can speak a little more to the status of that with regard to the mandate. And then uh, we had a, an extensive discussion about some other actions that we may want to consider taking I will just say we're getting our legal counsel involved, and uh, we are consulting with others uh, mm. to see what we need to do. So that's that's all I can tell you for right now. We may or may not do things further. I can't speak for the board as a board. I can only speak for myself. Um, but I know that this last thing from the governor kind of opened up some people's eyes because the tweak was just enough to say, Hey, wait a minute here. Uh, We think some of us, not everybody on the board thinks this, but some of us think that that this this appears to have been a little bit politically motivated in Mm. some ways, that that we don't see the justification scientifically for it. And that, and that, no. unfortunately, Terry, is, is what's come of a lot of our issues uh, lately is they become politicized and then, you know, p- people get yeah. hurt. Let, let's back up a little bit, yeah. Terry, before so, we... So, well, just, just real quick, though, Andy, okay. I would just say this, that if it is political and the more political it appears to be, then the solutions have to be more political. And mm. so that's something that's unprecedented for school boards in general to consider statewide. I mean, the the UEA doesn't have a problem with it. They're running ads already about what they think should happen. And uh, yet school boards have been silent. 
And normally we are just advocating for the students and for the teachers. And a lot of times that involves, okay, we need these resources from the governor. We need these resources and support from the legislature. And, and that's where they're at. In this one, uh, it's new. So, so you know, you, you've got to kind of think outside the box when you're dealing with that. All right. Let, let's back up a little bit. I wanted to talk to Steve and a little bit, Steve Dunham uh, of the Washington County School District, about the first couple of days of school. School started on a Thursday. In fact, I talking with someone about that, and they're like, why does school start on a Thursday? It shouldn't be on a Monday, but that, that's beside the point. But it did start on a Thursday. And uh, as Terry said a minute ago, Steve, it, it went pretty well, didn't it? It, it literally did. It was the best opening we've had in in several years. Um, everything went very smooth, and it seems as though our students, our parents, everybody was working together to make this work because we knew 2020 has been such a challenge. The students have been out of school for almost six months. Everybody wanted to be back, so everybody was working with us. It was a true collaboration with our students and our parents, and we're so grateful for their help. But words echo. I had a teacher on a few, uh, maybe a month or so ago, six weeks ago, and she said, "Hey, kids are resilient. Let's give them the opportunity to make this work." And uh, she fully believed that, you know. And, and this was an elementary school teacher. She fully believed that the kids would make it work. They would pull together because they want to be there. And son of a gun, if she wasn't right, Steve, spot on. They they are pulling together. They are making it work. You know, everybody wants to keep schools open, and I think the realization has come that, hey, if it's as simple as a mask and it keeps schools open and keeps children back in schools, we, we can make this fly. And, um, you know, that's what it comes down to, and things are working out right now. And, and, and so, again, as Terry said, it was a great opening. And then Friday, when we, when we got the mandate, the, the thought was, man, we just don't want to upset the apple cart. We've had such a smooth mm. opening. We have to discuss how to make sure that we implement this correctly so that we can keep this positive flow happening. Right. You know, on, on Facebook, and in Facebook, of course, there's a lot of evil things and there's a lot of good things. But <laughs> on Facebook, I had a few teacher friends of mine say after the, after the uh, what do we, directive from the governor came out, uh, say, are you kidding me? I just spent money to get this mask. I need this uh, faith, not mask, a, a shield, I guess. I, I need this shield because I teach reading or I teach speech or whatever it is. And they can't tell me that I can't use this mask. And then, of course, uh, they can tell you that. But uh, what was the overall feeling, Steve, you were getting from your teachers? You know, I, I think there was a lot of concern Saturday and Sunday until we sent out our statement Sunday. Um, we received a lot of positive feedback from our teachers thanking us for for what we were doing. And and Terry's right. I think there was a a misconception that we were going to stand up and fight the governor on this. In reality, we're looking at time, or or we're looking to understand what the mandate says and how can we best implement it. We were just buying us time that the board could meet, discuss it, and we can put a plan in place on how to implement it. And, uh, uh, you know, it comes down to the general rule, which, which the governor put in his mandate, allows for teachers who are teaching things where students need to see their face, need to understand how something is being instructed or how the words are formed with your mouth, that there's still that rule that allows for teachers to use just the shield only. Hmm. Hmm. Good. Um, I, I was just thinking. I, I so, so, Andy, let me, let me clarify that. So, so what's going to happen is 
each teacher is going to consult with their principal about when and how to use the shield that complies with the mandate. Because the mandate does allow for certain activities when you're teaching, and like like Steve said. But that's going to be something that we're taking a, a look at and, and tweaking. I mean, the thing about the mandate is the vast majority of it we were already in compliance with. So really, Correct. it wasn't, it wasn't, I mean, it, it, it's almost the perception you're releasing this on a Friday night on a weekend when nobody can really do anything about it. What, you're, you're trying to get it out in the dark? I mean, look, it, 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 in the light most favorable to the governor, it was just bad timing, especially since we were open and nobody else is. All the big school districts up north are looking to Washington County right now. They're looking to see how we open, how we do, how we're handling our transportation issues. They're looking for everything right now from Washington County. And they're also looking for a response to the mandate. We got a lot of calls from superintendents and school board members up north saying, are you guys really going to defy the mandate? Which, of course, that wasn't the intention of our statement. But they're fed up. They're, they're like, wait a minute here. We understand that the governor's listening to his health officials. But there's nobody really giving enough weight to how do we teach our students? How I mean, sure, we want to have teachers be safe. We want to have students be safe. But on the other hand, the whole purpose of school is to instruct the students. And the students are the ones who are being incredibly harmed by all this interference. And so that's why we say, okay, we, I, I, I know there's a... There's uh, Steve and Steve. Where are we at with issuing the new statement? Uh, you know, we know? We, it'll 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 be coming out sometime this morning. We're we're, we're very close. Today, we, right? It's yeah. sometime this morning. The the superintendent is just in another okay. couple of meetings. He's been talking with uh, the state superintendent, uh, Sid Dixon. And so, as soon as he's done with that, we're about ready to roll. But it'll be sometime this morning. I know, yeah, you guys, we, I know you guys so, aren't so doctors. We have that, and then there's other things going on, Andy. I know you guys aren't doctors, but I, I'm having a hard time understanding why the governor has said that you know these face shields aren't good enough. I mean, isn't the whole point of of even wearing masks and, and shields just to keep the, the the droplets when we talk and when we sneeze and whatever inside? And wouldn't a mask do that, guys? I, I guess I, I guess that's the problem <laughs> I have with it, and I know you guys are probably thinking the same thing. Well, well, yeah, and, and they're telling us at least that the that the change in the shields from what the previous policy was uh, came about as a result of some new guidance from the CDC. Really? And so, uh, yeah, that, that's one thing they're telling us. I mean, you know, and, and our local health officials, uh, I mean, they're in the room there, but I, I think sometimes, uh, well, I, I my personal opinion is that the the people up north who are in charge are running it. And they don't really listen to us as a whole. They don't. They, they have their views. And I think, like I said, there's a, I want to say there's a vacuum on one side of the equation. So when we talk to the public health officials and they, we, they tell us, okay, here's what we think the science says about how to do these things with masks, my secondary question is, well, what is the impact of all of these, for lack of a better word, obstacles on the student's ability to learn? Crickets. Mm. Nobody knows. Nobody and everybody knows. says, look, 
kids are resilient. Of course they're resilient. They're going to do it. I talk to teachers all the time, and they say, hey, my kids are going to wear their masks properly. They're going to do this stuff properly. I'm going to train them, and we're because this is what we have to do to stay in school and have it be open. Great. But on the other hand, is it overkill? Is it a point where, just like with the economy, at some point you just have to go out there and take the risk if you're going to accomplish something that's very important? And nothing is more important than making sure that the students get education that they need for their futures, period. End of story. I mean, and, and in that room with the governor, I know Sid Dixon's in there. I know the state school board's in there. But it seems as though the so-called science of the medical people and the public health people who don't take this into account at all is kind of carrying the day. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, uh, tell me a little bit. Yeah. The report I heard was that there was one student in the entire district that refused to wear a mask. What is that true? Number one. And in those instances, what is the policy? Uh, the policy is, is that will the student needs to come into compliance or they cannot attend school. Hmm. And, and so I, I, I believe that is accurate. I think there was one child that uh, chose not to wear their mask. And so uh, uh, I don't know if that has changed. I don't know if the, the, the student is now in compliance and, and back in school. I don't know the well, answer uh, to that. The, the report that we got last night was that um, it was on a bus, and eventually the student, uh, eventually the, the, the bus just stopped, and eventually the student complied. Oh. So, uh, I, I mean, nobody, you know. Uh, don't don't make me pull over. I've heard that before. To do and so <laughs> you what? I said, don't make me pull over. I know I've heard that one before. <laughs> no, this this was a pullover, definitely. Okay. Because we had we had people following that bus, and we weren't sure. I mean, and it wasn't just because of this. I think they just happened to be following on the bus. So it was, uh, you know, it, it just kind of they were watching to see how everything was handled. And a lot of the students were waiting for the bus, and they were doing their own thing. But um, the bus driver wouldn't let them on the bus without their masks, and they all produced their masks and put them on and oh. and did that because that's that's what we're required to do in order to keep schools open. Now, Steve, we talked about it being amazingly smooth the first uh, couple of days of school. There had to be a few glitches. Were there any others? No, honestly. Really? It was, wow. it was one of the very best openings we've had. It, it was so good. And, and, and again, credit goes to our students and our parents for being supportive and cooperative throughout this. They know that this has been a challenge for everybody. They know that no matter what decision we make, it's going to frustrate somebody on one side or the other. And yet everybody has come together to try and help keep schools open, to get their children back in schools. And that's the type of mentality we need to take going forward. Uh, Again, I give praise to our students and our parents on this. They have been very, very cooperative. Well, there was a report. So, oh, so ahead, Andy, there's a there's there's a legislative session this week and Thursday. Yeah. The, the governor's emergency powers to do some of the things he's mandating runs out. It has to be extended by the legislature. That's right. And so there's there's some meetings going on. I know a couple of our legislatures will be in our schools this morning, talking to Larry Ferguson and others about you know what we think should happen. And, and that, that's super important because 
you know, frankly, uh, I mean, my my biggest gripe about this whole thing has been uh, somebody 300 miles away dictating what we should do with our students. And and I just I think that uh, we know better in Washington County than they do in Salt Lake when they're 300 miles away. Nationally, so it's uh, you know. Nationally That's today, it. Dr. Laura Burke said today, actually made a statement this morning. She said every school district should mandate their own rules when it comes to something like this. Now, I know she has she holds no authoritative power to to legislate that or to mandate that. But, boy, it sure sounds like that we really don't need Salt Lake telling us what to do down here. Well, and, and I think our local legislators kind of get that, but whether enough of the legislators in the in the uh, representatives in the Senate do, that's something that uh, is going to have to come with a little more support than just we can drum up here in the South. So that, that's something that we're also trying to take a look at. It's, uh, it, it's just a, a unprecedented, as they keep saying. All right. Uh, somebody's been really persistent about trying to call, so I'm going to go ahead, if it's okay with you guys, and take a phone call here. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Terry and Steve. What's up? Terry and Steve, how are you guys doing today? Can you hear We're me? Good. Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. So I have four kids that go to Washington County Schools. I want to commend the principals and teachers for everything they've done, but I have one student that ha- or I have one child that has severe asthma. I have gotten his doctor's notes. You guys changed the rules on me, which was fine, so we complied with the face shields. And now you guys are telling me that I have to stuff my kid in a face shield and a mask, and he comes to me, he's only eight years old, and says, Daddy, what's wrong with me? Why can't hey, I join you, school? You like need to talk. Sir, sir, you, so, so, sir, you just no, need to go to your principal and talk that over I, with I, him. I understand. There, are, my, my there are qualifications for that. I, I understand that, Terry. But when are you guys going to put your foot down and have them quit holding our kids hostage over this stuff? I'm willing to comply and help any way I can. My kids lost their grandfather last year to H1N1 at 64. We take it very seriously. But when are you guys as elected officials going to say enough is enough? We put you guys there to protect our kids and and to serve our kids. And I've known you a lot of years, Terry. I have, and I and I respect yeah. you. I respect the heck out of you. But enough's got to be enough. And these parents that I talk to on a daily basis, I promise you guys, they're lockstep in this town. And we got to start coming together, not apart, on this. All right, guys. And, and what I'm telling you, sir, is that to a certain degree, our hands are tied with that. There are exceptions that you may qualify for, and you need to take that with your principal. As far as the overall, hey, standing up to this, um, it's a political process. And as part of that political process, it takes a little time. Right now, frankly, the ball's in the court of the legislature. And as far as I'm concerned, I personally, and I can't speak for the rest of the board yet, but I personally am going to do everything I can to make sure the legislature ends this business where we're being mandated by the governor. He has the legal authority at this moment given to him by the legislature, but the statute says it runs out unless they extend it, number one. And number two, if they refuse to extend it, it's not something he can veto. It is, it is a legislative reign. It's part of our checks and balances under our state constitution. 
And so that's where the action is right now, and it's supposed to be going on this week. And so what I tell you and everybody else, call our legislators, but they're already on board. Call your family members and friends up north and have them call their legislators because it's in the legislature right now where we can change it. I don't have the power as a Washington County elected official, even though I'm independently elected, to override what the governor tells us to do. We are, by law, subunits, if you will, of the executive branch, and therefore we are obligated to do what the executive branch tells us. And I hate it. Believe me, I did not run to have just be a middleman and be dictated and have to go turn around and do this stuff. And so I try and do everything I can, but I'm one voice of seven on the board. And until we have a majority of the board that wants to take some action within the bounds of the law that we're authorized to, um, we, we, we can only do what we can do. But that's something I will tell you that we, I, I think this latest change from the governor uh, woke us up and woke a lot of districts up north up to the fact that, um, wait a minute here we're getting rolled and maybe we should be a little more uh, vocal, but we'll see guys. we got to get a weather break in. Steve, I wanted to ask you, you said there's a, a, a statement coming out from the uh, superintendent. Can you give us any kind of clue as to what's going to be in that statement, Steve? No, I think Terry's kind of hinted about the direction it's going. I, okay. I, I'd really rather let make sure it gets out to our parents before, before we say anything here, but to that last caller, Please, I would love for him to call the school district, ask for me. I would love to speak to him directly because there are provisions in the mandate specifically for his case, for his child, and we will work with him, okay? I would love for him to call us here at the district. I would love to speak with him, okay? Very good, Steve. Uh, Terry, final thoughts before I let you go? All I can say is, Andy, I'm hopeful that, uh, that voices are going to be raised to the legislature, so that we can, so that we can all of a sudden um, have a little more input, because our local, even our local public health officials are listening to people like that prior caller, and and we're all concerned, and we all think a, we need to stay in school, and some of these directives that are coming around are so draconian that they, it's almost like they are designed to force us to shut down schools, mm. and we could talk about it at more length. That's something we really don't want to do. Um, and so we're just trying to we're just trying to deal with a very dynamic situation. As we always say, hey, stay tuned; it could change in an hour. Yep, yep. Just like the weather, except it's hot. All right, guys. <laughs> thank, oh, thank you so much for coming on today. Faster than the weather, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day, Andy. All right, thanks, Terry. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Andy. It's nine thirty-two on KDXU. We'll be right back. Morning, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. It's 9.36 now on KDXU, and uh, we've got a special guest in-house today. Well, sort of in-house. He's in that other studio, but uh, joining me now live is uh, Dean Cox. Dean, how are you? Oh, I'm great, Andy, and and even though we're physically separated by a barrier of glass, I am uh, just super appreciative to be here and to be able to see you. It's almost like I was sitting right across the counter from you. Almost like. Almost. <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we don't, I think it's maybe the third time you've done the show since I've been I on. I think and this is the third time. You've been battling, obviously, some health issues and stuff. But you tell me, uh, just a minute ago, you told me off the air, you're feeling great. Yeah, I am. I'm feeling better than I've uh, felt in an awful long time. Uh I'll tell you that the the confluence of faith and science can 
can work mighty miracles, and yeah. I'm a, a living testament of that. I love to hear that. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, you know, and sometimes sometimes faith can't always outdo uh, science, and, and sometimes our bodies fail us. But it's good to hear that your body is is doing well and is serving you well right now. It's, it's doing great, and I think uh, the role that faith and positive attitude and thinking of what we can do as opposed to dwelling on negatives. Uh, can be a guiding principle in every aspect of our life, not just in our health issues, but uh, in uh, goals that we set for ourselves and things that we want to do and accomplish. Having a positive mental mindset and a can-do attitude is, I think, 90% of the battle. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Now, let's talk about some of the stuff going on. First of all, I had an opportunity Friday night, and I've talked about it already on the air, but uh, high school football returned. And yeah, it, isn't and it that felt, great? It felt kind of almost normal for one night anyway. Yeah, I, I looked at uh, a few games around the state that have been played, and uh, my brother took the team up to Richfield, drove the bus, and he mm-hmm. said that they were absolutely packed in the stadium up there. Really? And uh, that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah. But, uh, yes, I, I think getting back to normal is something that we've got to work at. And uh, I have kind of a unique perspective on all of this because having uh, gone through cancer treatment and I'm currently on chemo, uh, I really appreciate that some people may feel they have a lot of life left in them and and they do not want to catch the COVID because their particular situation uh, might leave them in an impaired situation. And so... I appreciate uh, both sides of the argument on masks and things like that. I went to a family dinner last night. We get together as siblings once a month, and Mm. I sat by myself at one end of the table, and and everybody else congregated at the other, and one of the things we talked about uh, was masks and the mask issue. Uh, I feel that wearing a mask when we can't socially distance is just polite and thoughtful for other people who may not uh, have the health and vitality that we do but may still want to be around for a bit longer. And so uh, the county has never tried to impose a mandate. It's been a mask recommendation. Mm-hmm. And there's some diversity of thought on the county commission on that issue as well. But uh, I think those that have walked uh, in my shoes for the past year would be appreciative of others uh, when they can't socially distance if they'd be thoughtful and wear a mask. But I always wear a mask when I can't socially distance. I was uh, I was at a gathering um, on Saturday morning. It was it was actually a wedding. My niece got married, and uh, before the, everybody was kind of socializing, they were mad. Everyone's wearing masks for the most part. I I didn't have mine on because it, it was outside, and I wasn't particularly close mm-hmm. to anyone. And uh, one of the the actual father of the groom asked me a question about politics. Not knowing who I was, he just he just made a comment on politics, and I actually stepped a couple of steps closer to him because I wanted our, our you know our conversation to be somewhat private in right. this public setting. And he immediately grabbed his mask and covered his face, and I realized, oh yeah, first of all, we were up in in Ogden, so we we're up there in Weber County, and their their rules are a little more strict there. And but but also uh, I realized that okay, this is something that we need to be cautious about and be aware of when you're in a, in a gathering like that. I probably shouldn't have stepped. Uh, 
I, I don't think I got closer than six feet, but but it was close enough that he was worried about it. And, and so, you know, the situation there, I backed off immediately, and I explained to him that I do a political talk show, and that his wife would say, "Don't talk politics, honey." And I was like, "Well, if you want to talk politics with me, I'm I'm game on. Let's do it." You know. So, but uh, yeah, I did learn a lesson, and and he was he was worried, and it's something that uh, I probably need to be a little more conscientious about, but. I think it's happened to everyone, Andy. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though I always try to wear a mask, I, on occasion, uh, like to slip up to my cabin on Kolob's on mm-hmm. a Friday night and Saturday. And, Sounds nice. Uh, it's beautiful. It's, there's hardly anyone up there, but we had some visitors come and talk to us in the in the driveway, and and I'm a little bit hard of hearing. I think half the world knows that, so I stepped closer to hear him just a little bit, and. He instantly stepped back, uh-huh. and it just reinforced in my mind that that we do this for others, uh, not so much for ourselves. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the, the the obviously the world is weird right now, but some of the things that are going on in the county. One of the things that maybe we didn't see coming, Dean, was the fact that uh, because California has these incredibly strict rules in Nevada and even Arizona. We're getting a lot of people coming to Washington County, not just to visit and play, and we're getting plenty of those, that's for sure. Some of them are like, I've had enough of California or wherever. I want to move to somewhere where it's not quite so insane. And so we're getting this incredible influx of people, aren't we? We are. In fact, uh, I heard a story yesterday from a firsthand source that I I won't name the source, but uh, their children had a nice home. And they were aware of the fact that there are very few homes, if any, almost on the market because they're being purchased as fast as they go up. The inventory is small, yeah. <laughs> and uh, they just decided, well, let's we, – we know what we think our home is worth. Let's add 50% onto it and see what happens. Mm. And it sold within a couple of days. Oh, my goodness. And – uh, now they're living with uh, my friend. <laughs> well, that's so, good news, bad news there. They got yeah. a lot of money for their house, but they, now they got nowhere to live. But, you know, to replace it, it's going to take a lot of money. And so I'm just a uh, conservative stripe. I, I have a nice little home, and, and I'm just very happy to stay there. And so lucky to be able to live in Washington County. And uh, this part of the state, I think, is the most beautiful place on earth. Yeah. I even tolerate the heat. Uh, as well as I can. That's not so bad. <laughs> we we moved into our house within the last year. It was actually about a year ago now. And um, I told somebody actually asked me, so do you think you can get more out of your house now than what you paid? And I said, yeah, probably. And they said, well, so are you going to think about selling? I said, absolutely not. Uh, in fact, I told my wife when we bought our current house, I said, this is the house I think I'm going to die in. Not literally, but figuratively. This is my last yep. home. Yeah. So it's not big, it's not pretentious, it's just perfect is what it is for for where I'm at. That's so awesome. Uh, A lot of things are happening here in Washington County, and and these guests coming in from out of the area are putting pressures on some of our recreation places. And and that's actually uh, one of the things that the county commission is working with the Water Conservancy District on. For example, the Conservancy District manages uh, Colob Reservoir. Right. Colob Reservoir is probably the only open lake that you can camp on in the western United States with a, you know, drive a trailer in and park on it. You don't have to pay a dime to stay there. And uh, it's been under intense pressure. And then we've had people who thought, hey, this is 
this is so nice. I think I'll haul my trailer up in May, and I'll just and leave, leave it there, it there. and then oh, I'll no. bring it back sometime after Labor Day. And, and we've got some of that going on. And so we're trying to uh, work with the Conservancy District, and I encourage anybody who has strong feelings uh, one way or the other as to how that can best be managed to, to come visit with me. Uh, there is some thought that perhaps uh, the park should be improved a little bit uh, with designated camping areas, and perhaps the county could run and manage that uh, not for profit, but to, to pay for somebody to be there and to make sure that the uh, litter is picked up and mm -hmm. uh, human waste goes in the toilets where it's supposed to and, and things like that. And so uh, we're just studying that right now, and I'd welcome anybody who uh, has a, a thought or a feeling on that to share it with me. At this point, right now it's 50-50. Either way, you're, you're just looking at it. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. And uh, if you go up there and drive around the reservoir... You'll find that mostly it's not Washington County residents that are up there uh, mm -hmm. camping. You'll see a lot of plates out of California and Nevada. Uh, I would say three out of four or from out of state. Wow. I don't know how you control that, but, you know, I grew up here, and, and Kolob Reservoir was just always a nice place, quiet place to go and fish. Sure. And mostly it was just locals that knew about it. I haven't been up there in years. I, I'm, I'm afraid to see what I would find if I went up, because it's probably been a decade since I've been up to Kolob yeah, Reservoir. It's so. a beautiful place still, but uh, a lot of camping pressure around the reservoir. There was some talk about, uh, and I don't know if we even did it for a while, but there was some talk about only letting Utahns use, for instance, San Hollow and Gunlock and places like that. And, and certainly you look now, I mean, if you go out to any of those places on the weekend especially, and you're not going to find a lot of Utah plates in, in those parks, uh, is that something that we should be doing or is that something we want to do? You know, I'm not sure uh, that that is, is the best policy. Mm. Uh it certainly makes sense that uh, we might have some type of, since the park is maintained, Sand Hollow, for example, is maintained with Utah taxpayer dollars, that uh, the entrance fee or some reservations be reserved, uh, lower entrance fee or reservations reserved for locals. But I know that when I travel and I'm planning on going to Glacier and I want to uh, visit a few places that I haven't been, that if we start... Uh, treating our nice places uh, to our exclusive benefit. Uh, other places might do that, too, and I'm not sure what the long-term impact of all of that would be uh, if we started doing that. Could get in a price war, maybe. You know, all right, out-of-state visitors, an extra 50 bucks or whatever, yeah. and, and all of a sudden then we can't even afford to go to some of those places. That but we, we did negotiate a lower entrance fee for county residents going into Snow Canyon State Park, uh, and they just look at your license plate, but... But the point is, is that Washington County uh, provides the law enforcement for the park. We help in other ways. We have a joint management team. And I think that was a great compromise because before that, the residents of Washington County were uh, almost excluded from being able to go into the park because the demand was so great by the out-of-area visitors. Yeah, fr frustrating for sure. I know my son tried to get into Sand Hollow 
couple of weekends ago, and uh, he waited and waited and waited, and finally the announcement was made that we're not taking anyone else, sorry. And so he waited for a long time and didn't get in. And, you know, this is, this is a young yeah. man that lived here for 20-something years, you know. I hope this normalizes as quick as uh, California and Nevada and some of these places open back up a little bit because I really think these people uh, just want to get out of California or get out of Nevada and Utah is a close, beautiful destination, and they make a beeline for us. I don't think it's a natural or a sustainable uh, trend, and uh, I hope that things normalize as uh, we get back to the new normal. I remember when I was in high school, there there was a band I liked. I don't even remember the name of the band now, but it was a, there was this band that I liked, and I, I was pretty much the only one that knew about it. not not the only one in the world but you know nobody in my high school listened to this music and and then they got a hit song and everybody was listening to them and i remember when i was the only one that liked it i was like oh, you guys should listen to them they're really good and once they got popular and everybody listened to them i was kind of irritated like no that's my band you can't listen it's kind of the same thing with the parks around here i guess <laughs> absolutely you know one of the things that uh has uh, caused me the greatest consternation is watching what happens up at Gunlock Reservoir when mm-hmm. we have the overflow. Yeah. Uh, I ran search and rescue for the county for many years, uh, back in the early 2000s, late 90s, through that area. And I remember uh, more than once going up on body uh, retrievals when people had slipped and fallen off those rocks and yeah. uh, succumbed. And one particularly uh, particular case really, really bothered me. It was a young man that had just graduated from uh, BYU Hmm. and was down celebrating with his family. And they were sliding off those rocks and using the rocks as a slide. Mm -hmm. And then the slide went off into a pool. But the water was running so hard that spring that when he went down into the pool, the weight of the water falling off of those rocks that he rode down uh, created kind of a rotor in that pond underneath it, and it just spun him, and he couldn't get out of it. And we couldn't find him until we actually took a bunch of uh, uh, four-by-eight sheets of plywood, put them halfway across the overflow of uh, Gunlock Reservoir to force the water to to spill over in a different place so that mm-hmm. we could diminish that flow. And when we did that, we were able to find him. But it's so dangerous. and We've had so many accidents up there, but it's, it's tough to uh, control some of these beautiful things that we have that can be dangerous, and people may not have the proper respect for our slot canyons. And, and so many of our unique uh, vistas have dangers that people need to be aware of. Dean, we've, I've got to get a commercial break in, and we've got a couple of people on the phone line, so let's do this. We'll step aside for just a minute. I appreciate you coming in. You bet. More with Dean Cox in just a minute. A chance to thank Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is a sponsor of this show and has been for, uh, really, for years. And Joe Shoney's specialty is customer service. And how do I know? Well, you go online to the socialsurvey.me website. That's a review website. And you look at the number of reviews, 413 reviews on Joe Shoney. And he averages an amazing 4.92 out of 5 stars. Phenomenal numbers. This one from Richard says, Joe did a great job. He was the only lender out of 5 that could get our loan 
Stone done. Awesome job, five stars. Here's another five star from Carson. Said, we needed someone who could close fast and had reasonable fees. Joe and his team were recommended, and they did not disappoint. Five stars. Alyssa, five star. Joe was great to work with. There was regular communication throughout the entire loan process. All, they're all like that. It's amazing. Again, uh, it's Joe Shoney, 435-590-6300, specialty in home loans and home refis and reverse mortgages. He does it all. Email joe.shoney at nafinc.com. Welcome back to the program, 955. Got a few minutes left on the show. We're, uh, we've got Dean Cox here with me. Dean, the county commissioner. How are you doing, Dean? Just great, Andy. Thank you for coming on the program today. You okay to take a call or two? Absolutely. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Caller, you're on with Andy and with Dean Cox. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you for calling in. Hey, you know, I've, I've wanted to have this conversation for some time now. Uh, you know, my first initial reaction to all this is I really want to be able to put a sign up that says, you know, you really ought to go back home and remember why you vote the way you do and quit coming into our state like a cancer and basically taking away everything we like to do. But I'm a, enough of a conservative that I don't want the government to be able to say, just because you're not part of a certain state, you can't go visit somewhere else. But I really think we're missing an opportunity here as as the these people want to flee these government-ruled states and come and enjoy the places that we have because we actually can still do something. Uh you know, I know they've already raised fees and things like that, but in my mind, it needs to be even much higher. They still have the freedom. You're not taking away freedom. They can still look at it and say, if we want to pay, you know, an extremely high amount to come go take over San Hollow, for that matter, then we're going to pay for it. And what, in my mind, it at least allows those of us that, that are here working, paying taxes, and actually doing things as a community that we still have the ability to enjoy these things instead of just saying, well, I'll stay home because somebody out of state that wanted to come here is taking over. And and being able to have a much higher entry fee and things like that, and when I say much higher, I'm saying enough that it deters a lot of people from wanting to come here and make it to where my family that lives here, works here, pays taxes, can't even go out and use that part. But if they're going to be there, they're going to pay a high enough fee that, Shoot, if nothing else, you at least have that money to improve the park and different things instead of raising my taxes to do it to make it nicer for them. Well, I, I totally agree. Uh, I, I don't know just exactly what that price point would be, but it's something that we did implement with Snow Canyon State Park. It needs to happen at Sand Hollow and other places. And, and these out-of-state visitors, by the way, do make a substantial impact on our overall uh, sales tax that is paid in Washington County. One-third of the sales tax collected in Washington County is paid by uh, visitors or from out of our area, and so that does come back to save us all money. But it's just been a joke uh, this past year when we can't get into the places that uh, we've grown up with, we we support, we pay for, uh, we don't want to travel, we're trying to follow the governor's uh, lead to stay right. local during right. that time, and because other people are traveling great distances uh, to visit some of these places, uh, it's keeping us from from going. And and so I agree with the caller. Finding out how we do that, and uh, with state parks, this takes legislative help to to get there because the counties do not uh, control state parks. 
but I certainly have a lot of empathy for the caller's point of view. Well, and I, that's all I'm saying is I think there can be a, a way to do the math and figure out that you can slim down the amount of people. Yeah, you're not going to get as much tax and things like that that they're coming here and spending while they're here. But it's, but it's also a matter of being able to have it to where it can be offset by allowing more room for those of us that live here to be able to go to these things. But you're also regaining that money because it's a much higher fee because I think even with a much higher fee, these people that can't do anything and they're used to paying much higher prices for anything because they're in these other liberal states, that they would be willing to pay a much higher fee and still come here and take away the space that a local person could have. But at least at least on an economical state standpoint, you are making up for that by saying, well, maybe, just maybe, these different improvements to the park or whatever could take place is coming from their money, not mine. As I'm yeah, good point. we got to cut you off. It's time to wrap things up. Thank you, Dean, for coming in. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Andy. I always enjoy this opportunity.